Talk Recorded live. Yes, we are. Two minutes late. Recorded live. This is Chuck Bartok joining you for the 349th episode of the Focus Society of Overachievers. I got here a little late today. Dog wanted to take a little longer walk, but you know, that's okay. <laughs> she, uh, she provides a lot of... Uh, Happy times for us, and we need to take care of her, which uh, is part of the responsibility of having animals, kind of like the responsibility of having children, the responsibility of owning a home, the responsibility of being a member of society. It's a shame today that most people do not realize how many responsibilities we actually have and how easy it is to take care of our responsibilities if we... uh, have a good plan of action, have a routine, have developed habits, and are persistent. Persistency is the topic of the conversation the last couple of weeks here, following along with Chapter 9 from Napoleon Hill's Think and Grow Rich. I see that we're joined by Lori Polina in St. Louis. Good morning, Lori. Can you hear me? I'm on the other line. Be right there. Okay, Lori, that's cool. That's cool. The... uh, We've been talking about persistence, as I mentioned, the last couple of weeks, and last week we... Good morning, Chuck. Good morning, Laurie. Good morning. <laughs> last week we, were, uh, we reviewed some of the items and the fact that persistence is one of Napoleon Hill's common threads throughout when he spent time with the top uh, moguls, leaders, uh, industrialists back in his day. He spent 20 years... Um, living with these people, interviewing them, and finding out what common thread they had. And one of the common threads was persistence, along with the ability to make decisions, along with a burning desire, along with the ability to mastermind with other people of like mind, not necessarily of the same background or anything else. And uh, what he's found out, and he believed, seriously, But the reason so many people were floundering in life and not enjoying life is that they lacked these qualities. And I I personally want to say again, I mean, there's nothing wrong with accumulating large amounts of money. It's it's a wonderful thing. In fact, if you go into Proverbs, it's part of our job to, to accumulate so that we can share, so that we can help those less fortunate on our terms because we're the ones that received it. Uh, you know, you can't tithe 10% unless you have something to tithe. So we do have responsibilities, and uh, assuming those responsibilities is not that difficult. If we can uh, develop some habits, as Napoleon Hill talked about, and have the willpower to follow through, and we're persistent. We left last week on, uh, I see Gerard is with us, and uh, David Christensen in Los Angeles. Good morning, gentlemen. Glad you could join us. The symptoms of lack of persistence. I'm going to read 16 things. They may be very dull and mundane to many people. But if you hear any of these words that kind of reflect to you, all you have to do instead of being negative about it is just change your habit. The real enemies which stand between you and noteworthy achievement are these symptoms. 
Napoleon Hill says here you will find not only the symptoms indicating weakness of persistence, but also the deeply seated subconscious causes of these weaknesses. And again, throughout this book, and we spent a lot of time one year back several years ago talking about the power of your subconscious mind, uh, we have the power to train ourselves to be whatever we want to be, regardless of societal pressures. It's all BS. It's bunk. People are politically correct today because they're afraid. It's not that they have a desire to be politically correct, and political correctness is bogus. I mean, there's no such thing. It's just a coined thing. And people are afraid, oh my gosh, if I say this, I might offend somebody. Well, you're not acting like yourself now. You're acting the way society wants you to act. And one of the things that society has been darn good, especially in this country the last 50 years, is denigrating ambition, denigrating the ability for a person to rise up and become who they were put on this earth to be. And that is a happy, well-adjusted person who has goals and works towards achieving those goals. And they don't have to be lofty goals. You know, this bogus... Look at the frenzy there was in this country, last in this country last week on this mega millions deal. I mean, there was so much energy and frenzy and conversations and and news time and interviews taken up on, you know, what if and the all, it, it was so out of touch of reality. That time and energy could have been invested very well into improving yourself. Every place I went on Friday, that's all people could talk about was this uh, lotto ball thing. I mean, nobody gave a squat about world affairs. Nobody gave a squat about economy. Nobody really gave a squat about their own jobs. Everybody to a person said, well, I can't wait because I'm not going to come to work Monday. Wouldn't that be tragic? If you don't like where you are now, get out of, the, get out of it. Why would you spend a life suffering doing what you don't want to do when we all have the ability to do what we want to do if we bring things into perspective and if we have a burning desire to succeed at whatever it is we choose to do, if we learn to have a mastermind, and if we learn to be persistent? Study this list carefully, Napoleon Hill says in Chapter 9. Good morning, David. And face yourself squarely if you really wish to know who you are and what you are capable of doing. These are the weaknesses which must be mastered. Number one, failure to recognize and clearly define exactly what one wants. This can be a want daily. This can be a long-term, a long-range want. You know, today I want to walk a little further. Okay, I mean, that sounds simple, but it, it's something I have to say. I have to clearly define, I'm going to walk further, why I'm going to walk further, and what's the benefit. And what do I have to do? I have to put one foot in front of the other. Now, this is a subconscious thing. I have to put one foot in front of the other more times. 
But you see, that's easy to do because we've subconsciously uh, trained ourselves to do that. Procrastination, with or without cause, usually backed up with a formidable array of alibis and excuses. These are the symptoms of the lack of persistence. Good morning, David. I see you're live. Morning, Tech. Good to have you here. Thank you. Lack of interest in acquiring specialized knowledge. I know it all. I don't need to do that. I'm going to excuse myself. I have to take this call. I'm very, very sorry, but it is one that I've been expecting from a doctor's office. I will be back. So, how, so Dave, how are you doing? Doing great. How about yourself? I'm doing great. Uh, he was talking about that um setting that simple goal. It's like um, when my kids were on spring break, we went to a place here, Cahokia Mounds, on the other side of the Mississippi from where I am um, currently at. And um, I got to climb up the highest one of the mounds out there, which is like a 100-foot elevation, and my goal was I want to do that both coming up and down uh, without having an asthma attack. And we were we got to go there twice uh, within a half a week, and I made it up and down that the highest elevation mound, a hundred foot elevation. Um, both of the days we went out there, I made it both up and down without having an an asthma attack. So. And why do you think that is, Lori? Uh, because I was concentrating on on wanting to do that and um, how to do that carefully but determinedly um, and stay healthy at the same point. <laughs> can can I mean this is interesting because I'm wondering if we can infer from your experience and the experience of others that many physical ailments can be controlled through the power of concentration, through the subconscious mind, through some per- persuasive, uh, uh, I mean, through through persistence in that thought pattern. I don't know. I mean, I'm throwing this out. Well, I think, I think one of the things that um, they taught me very early on in my um, asthma management program was if you go into an attack, one of the worst things that you can do is panic because if you panic, chances are you're going to hyperventilate and that's even that's going to make it worse, mm-hmm. not better. So, yeah, there is there is definitely, I think, a, a, a subconscious thing there. So, so we might have a little more control over some physical ailments that then uh, but it takes the responsibility and the dedication of the thought process to do it you know again it goes everything seems to be the same there's nothing different here <laughs> lack of interest in acquiring specialized knowledge for instance if you were in the position that Lori uh, discussed 
you could find out more by taking your time and energy and doing some research on that specific topic, reading both sides of the coin, not necessarily one person's opinion. But if you don't have an interest in acquiring specialized knowledge, you're going to find it very difficult to be a persistent person. Indecision, the habit of passing the buck, on all occasions, instead of facing issues squarely. And this is also backed by alibis. This is so evident today with our elected leaders. Indecision. In other words, there are so many decisions that our elected officials who, are, who, who were actually hired to make decisions, fail to make decisions, because they're so concerned about how it might be perceived by others who they feel they need or who, from whom they have been purchased from. Mainly those who financially support these people for a, a, an ulterior motive. So, you know, the indecision is, is there because... The, <laughs> um, it's become a habit. It's become a habit to pass the buck. Exactly. It's not my fault, and I don't have to worry about this. If we kind of table the discussion today, everybody might forget about it. The habit of replying, of relying on alibis instead of creating definite plans for the solution of problems. Uh, many of these symptoms that Hill, that when I read these many, many years ago and have reviewed them again, a lot of these sound redundant but, of course, repetition is good, and they do have a common thread, and they refer back to each other. But the habit of relying on alibis instead of creating definite plans for the solution of problems. If you have a problem in front of you today, the first thing you really should do, and what happens when you have a business mindset, when you have a developed mindset, doesn't have to be a business mindset. The mindset of somebody who has a grasp on who they are. What happens is you automatically, your mind automatically starts creating that definite plan of action. How do I get out of this problem? You know, again, I've referred many times on this program the study of the horse. The horse is a prey animal. Consequently, all of its reactions are based on its intrinsic modus of operandi to get out of trouble. And, of course, the horse is very well equipped to do that by running. That's what they're good at, running away from a problem. I went to an exhibition uh, to film an exhibition of a friend of mine, Jerry Tyndall, who's a world-renowned mule trainer. And there's a difference between the mule and the horse. And we all know that the mule is the joining of horse genes with donkey genes or ass genes. And you end up with a mule, which is a hybrid animal. And it's very interesting, and mankind has known this for a long time, and this is why mules, this is why donkeys, have been part of society for eons and eons. But the mule, being a hybrid, a horse will run away and keep running from the problem 
a mule will move away, stop and turn around and see if they're far enough away from the problem and go about their business and not expend that much energy as the dumber horse will. Now, it's been discussed in society that the mules are a bit smarter because they stay in the womb another month. So they have more nurturing from their mother. I don't know. I mean, that's, you know, there's a lot of mule lore. But the mule is also a survivalist. It's also a prey animal. But what it's done is it's made, you know, I, we don't want to put human elements in here, but the mule just operates differently than the horse. Because of that, training the mule takes a different approach than the training of the horse. And therein lies all of the folklore about the stubborn mule. The mule is not stubborn. The mule is very giving, and the mule will give quickly if you know how to speak mule better, if you know how to become the alpha mare in the mule herd meaning the one animal. And all of these qualities, of course, translate into human reactions. It's amazing how people like Jerry Tyndall, people like my son, who are able to train these animals, not through any subversion, not through any force, but they're able to train these animals through communication. And guess what? You have to be freaking persistent. <laughs> And this was evidenced, I'm editing the movie right now, I'm going to have some clips out on the internet, on, you know, Jerry's in this round pen with this mule that he had never seen before, and the lady told him all the problems, and yes, the mule had all these problems. And in a matter of 15 or 20 minutes of persistent, very subtle actions, the mule acquiesced and followed in suit to the requests of the trainer. And there was no beating or no misuse or anything else. But it was persistent. It was persistent pressure and instant release. Because, you know, think about this in a sales position. You apply pressure and you release. You know, it's not a consistent bombardment of things. The subtlety of the release is where the relief comes from the other person, the other animal, the animal, and they're comfortable. And the more comfortable they become, the easier it is to communicate with them. All of these things apply in our interactions with human beings. I don't know why it is, but there's something about when you meet a horse trainer, an animal trainer, it could be a tiger trainer, a dog trainer. These people have a certain aura about them. They're extremely understanding and, and pick up on nuances very quickly. I enjoy being around these people because it's easy. I find it very easy to communicate with these people. Maybe it's because we think the same. I don't know. But anyway, the habit of relying on alibi, one of the uh, excuse me, symptoms of lack of persistence is the habit of relying on alibis. Well, this is just a dumb animal. So therefore, you give up on it. You, instead of sitting down and figuring out a definite uh, plan of action, to solve the problem, you walk away from it. Now I've got to find my next page. Come on, Chuck, where's the next page? Chuck, Chuck, Chuck. Where's the next page, Chuck? There it is. I'm sorry. Self-satisfaction. 
There is but little remedy for this affliction and no hope for those who suffer from it. That's kind of a strange one, isn't it? Self-satisfaction. Lori, what do you think he means by self-satisfaction in this? Because we know that it's important for us to like what we do. Is there? A, I mean, was is he reaching into a different word group? Maybe David can help us all. Self-satisfaction, Napoleon Hill says, number six, there is but little remedy for this affliction and no hope for those who suffer from it. Well, what I think is, I, I think there is a difference between liking what we do and being, I think what he's getting at is, being, um, how do I want to put this? Smug? Um, smug, yeah, smug and, and you know. Um, egotistical? E- smug, egotistical, and, and just that look at me, I'm I'm Mr. Big Shot, uh, never mind that I'm stuck, stagnated, and I'm doing the same thing over and over and over because that's, all I know how to do and what others think of me because of it. <laughs> uh, others are sitting there thinking, you're a, you're a smug. Um, I, I wouldn't want to be associated with you if I could kind of person. <laughs> there was a, a, I, I kind of, those are some good points. I kind of felt that self-satisfaction was another way of, of uh, Napoleon Hill using the word what we call ego, which we know that all successful people leave it at the door. You cannot operate from ego and be successful. Dave, what's what's your reading on that? Uh, his phraseology of self-satisfaction. Do you have a different take on it? Not really. It's <clears throat> it, it almost seems like you can, go, you can go two ways with that. You know, where it's like you're self-satisfied in the sense that I'm happy with where I'm at, and I'm happy with where I'm going. But then it, it could also be in the sense of what you're saying, more on the egotistical side. Mm-hmm. So I, I couldn't get a good read on what, what it meant personally. Yeah, that you, actually number six has bothered me for a long time, and unfortunately we can't ask Mr. Hill because he's no longer with us. He was alive when I was a kid, though. Indifference, usually reflected in one's readiness to compromise on all occasions rather than meet opposition and fight it. Now, this really, this one, you know, maybe that's why I never spent time on six, because seven was such a big thing. Isn't it tragic that our society today is putting so much emphasis on the importance of compromise? And I'll tell you what, if, if the people that taught me, most of them are deceased, you know, it, it, they would just be roiling about that. Indifference, usually reflected in one's readiness to compromise on all occasions rather than meet opposition and fight it. And this is where I, I said the, the, the danger of political correctness. It's a danger. Because it teaches us to be acquiescent. It teaches us to operate under fear. And people who operate under fear are easily controlled. 
Therefore, I will tell you who you will be. You don't have any say in the fact, and this is what some societies have done very well in the past. David, you're this big, you're, you know, you got blonde hair and, and you got a, a pimple on your nose and therefore you're going to be a, the engineer. And Laurie, because uh, you have uh, long brown hair uh, and you're a female, you're going to be a nurse. And all of these things were societies have literally literally uh, uh, taken people and, and told them who they're going to be and how they're going to get there. And and the people, just like uh, uh, some of the books that were written, uh, you know, I think all of a sudden Soylent Green came into my, but 1984, and they say, we're, you know, we're all a bunch of robots walking around, and we're getting there, because that's a direction that a small group of people in the world are working towards, and I'm not speaking conspiratorially here, because you see it's easier. The reason people aren't fighting, the reason people aren't standing up for themselves, because it's a hell of a lot easier to be taken care of. Well, there are some people today who want to break out of the mold and become who they want to be. And that's what books like this are. That's why books like this were written, and these are the kind of books for those people. I'm not saying that everybody should be that way. Thank you very much, The Legend. Uh, I'm sorry you don't have time to listen and join in, but remember, all of our programs are available for you for replay. Download to your iPad, or what's, what's it called? iPod, I guess, or whatever. Anyway, to, to the device, the MP3 player, and uh, you can listen to us all day long. God, that could drive me nuts. <laughs> That's what my wife says. I have to listen to you all day long. It drives me nuts. One's readiness to compromise on all occasions rather than meet opposition is... A symptom of your lack of persistence. The habit of blaming others for one's mistakes and accepting unfavorable circumstances as being unavoidable. Oh, I can't help that from happening. That's BS. I mean, I just, we've said it a thousand times on the show, the power from within that God gave us, our Creator, we're born in the image and likeness of greatness, and the fact that so many of us leave it at the door is almost pitiful. Well, that's like, I, uh, you know me, I've been talking about um, writing my story for the longest time. Yeah, I wish and, you would. <laughs> um, I, well, I made a decision about that the other day, Chuck. Okay. I finally quit saying, you know, I... Just I could never be verbose enough to put it down in writing. I finally got on Blogger the other day and created a blog. Now, I've only got a couple of posts on it so far, but I started, um, I just started writing, uh, organizing, trying to organize my life stages into um, like a blog post or a chapter at a time, mm-hmm. a blog post, and I've got two so far, and I thought, well, I thought, you know, they may not be the the most fantastic writing in the world, but I'm sick of saying I'm going to do this. Now I'm just doing it. (laughs) (laughs) You you know, I'm glad you said what you said because um, that's the problem so many of us have, including myself, everybody. 
You know, I keep talking about what I'm going to do, but I never get around to doing it. And, and I think this is what Napoleon Hill's book can be such an asset to people. And again, I'm going to say this for the 10,000th time on this show. Almost everybody I have met in my life has said, oh, yeah, I read Think and Grow Rich. And the reality is they might have opened the book, okay? <laughs> they might have opened the book, and they might have read it as we're taught to read, and that basically is to, you know, but very seldom or very few people have digested it. And digested it means making it part of you and reading some things more than once. I think this is like my third or fourth um, time. Go around. Yeah. And, and I just, I kept thinking about how I'd, I have been saying I'm gonna I'm gonna write my story, and I finally about two or three days ago I finally a uh, uh, idea thought train kept started coming to me at night. I said I said you know in the morning when I got up I said it's time. Mm-hmm. Very good. Very good. <laughs> so my my new blog is is entitled Unleash, uh, Unleashing Unleashing. Of the warrior goddess. Very good, Lori. And and stay with it because it will benefit you. And that's the other thing. Do, do, do you realize, now Lori will have a following. There are methods and ways that Lori can um, get more readers. We know all of these things. But the most important thing is if she does it the way she wants to on a consistent basis and applies persistence, she's the true beneficiary here. Now, it's going to be great when other people have the opportunity, have the opportunity to uh, read it and become enamored with Lori's work and, and who she is. That's true. But, but the fact that there will be benefit to her is what's critical here. See, it's, there's nothing wrong with you feeling good about what you're doing. Because when you do that, you're going to do more. And the more you do, the more people are going to benefit, including yourself. Number eight, the habit of blaming others for one's mistakes and accepting unfavorable circumstances as being unavoidable. We discussed that. Weakness of desire due to neglect in choice of motives that impel action. I don't know how many times the word action is found in Think and Grow Rich and also in Charles Handel's The Master Key, and those are the words that the big idiots, uh, Rhonda Byrne and her group that produced Secret, seem to leave out. Because again, do you realize that if you have to do something, if you have to accept the responsibility of being persistent and staying on course and doing repetitious, mundane tasks, which is what most businesses are all about. Uh, that sounds very boring, and I wouldn't sell many books if I emphasized that. And not too many people would come and talk about me because I'm telling them to get off their lazy B-U-T-T-S's and go to work. Oh, my God. And I'm telling them to be responsible for, for who they are. Oh, my God, I couldn't do that. So, weakness of desire due to neglect of choice of motives that impel action. 
action is where it's at. Willingness, even eagerness to quit at the first sign of defeat. And that's based upon one or more of the six basic fears, which he's discussed in this book. The willingness to quit at the first sign of defeat. And, you know, this has been hashed over. And some of these uh, Tony Robbins type dudes, uh, you know, uh, of course, their approach bothers me because they want you to go out and get no's. Well, I'd rather do a plan of action. If I was getting a no, what I really should do, instead of going out and looking for more no's, I should sit back, reconnoiter, spend some time doing some research, draw up a plan of action based on what I've learned in the past on how to put myself in a position that I get less no's. But these numb nuts that, that tell, tell all these poor people trying to start their businesses, well, go out and get a bunch of no's. Well, you're going to get them, Yes. But why not redesign your plan and focus it more on getting yeses? That's what I don't understand. I mean, why do you want to go out and beat yourself up? It goes back to the uh, – we've said I, – I recorded a – I actually commented on a blog with an audio. And it has to do with what we've said on this program. You take the sheet of paper, you write your good things, your bad things, rip it in half and burn it. And don't ever bother. But why would we want to spend time in our lives – Focusing on that which we don't do well instead of focusing on and getting better at what we do well. Think about that for a minute. Be persistent in that direction. Lack of organized plans placed in writing where they may be analyzed. How many times has this been repeated? 10,000 times. Lack of organized plans in writing with a pencil or pen on a piece of papyrus. Not one of these crazy digital machines. Because we know, we've talked about it. It's proved. I mean, you can research this. I'm, I'm not going to give you scripture and verse. There seems to be something that affects the cognitive part of your personality that when you write things down, there's all these physical things, the vibrations, everything else moves up and, and can be more easily implanted into your subconscious mind. Number 13. No, excuse me. Number 12, the habit of neglecting to move on ideas. Lori, there we go, huh? Or to grasp opportunity when it presents itself. You know, I uh, am doing some different things uh, the last few years because of the Internet and earning money. And I got an email in the mail, just like everybody else does, from somebody that says, please watch this movie, which I did. And the presentation made so much sense to me, and the product that these two young men put together is a good product. I purchased the low-end light version for a whopping $19. I opted out of the $397 package because I know what it includes, and it's something that I've been doing for quite a while. But what's interesting is the way they presented their idea lit a light in my mind and all of a sudden these pieces of information that i've accumulated <clears throat> coalesced and i am taking what i mean what they said was absolutely true so i went out and made some decisions right there i spent another 30 40 dollars and i am now renting some space on the internet to other people who want to pay. And the reason they want to pay is when they rent this space, they're at the top of the search. 
This is not black hat. It's very white hat and all this good stuff. But the point of the conversation is I heard something that made sense to me, and I acted upon it now. I did not file it away till later. Now, I have not fully developed it because I have not fully developed my plan of action. I've done a little test, and I like what I see, so therefore this will be a project scheduled for next week because I still have another project to finish from last week. <laughs> but anyway, I made a decision that I'm going to put that into my overall plan of action. And that's that's what he's trying to say here, I think. Move on ideas. Move on them. Don't worry about getting it right. Just get it going. Number 13, wishing instead of willing. I wish I had a million dollars. Well, why don't you quit wishing about it and go get it? If you don't really do anything about going to get it, you really don't want it. And as my father used to say this in Hungarian, which I can't remember, but I know what it translated to, and you can do something in one hand, you can wish in one hand and do something else in the other and see which one gets filled first. And it has to do with the bodily function. <laughs> you can wish all you want. You can wish upon that star. And unless you have a definite plan of action, a burning desire to get it done, the ability to be persistent, surrounding yourself with a mastermind and applying massive action, it ain't going to be there. Well, I think that, for me, I I found myself um, coming to the conclusion, I I think I was making a lot of excuses, like, to myself, like, well, I could never be as verbal, I could never be as expressive in writing as, like, an author like Joara King, and and then I thought, you know what, uh, that's, that that was the very one that was dawning on me was you're wishing you could be a good writer. Well, stop wishing and just begin to write and you'll develop the skill. You just have to do it. Right. Well, you know, it's funny. Gerard is muted right now, but I'm sure he would come on the phone if he has, if he has an opportunity to say this to me. Gerard King was a lousy writer when he started. <laughs> and the only way you become a better writer is to write. You can't become a good writer through osmosis. And you can't become a good writer by wishing for it. And you can't become a good baseball player by wishing for it or a good golfer wishing. You can't become a good wall golfer watching television. You can't become a good pianist without, without playing the piano. Playing the piano. Over and over and over and over <laughs> again. See, there's, isn't this amazing? There's nothing new in the world. You know, I mean, there's nothing new. It's been the same way for millions of years. Wishing instead of willing. We can will things to happen. The habit of compromising with poverty instead of aiming at riches. General absence of ambition to be, to do, and to own. I have just put, for those of you that are on the computer, Laurie and Dave, I know that you've all seen the book Abundant Thinking. Uh, please take this link and share it with everybody you know. Uh, bestbusinessmindset.com slash capital A. Oh, PDF, the PDF. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry. I forget to scratch that link. Uh, we have to have the extension PDF at the end. Best business 
mindset.com slash abundance.pdf. I am very sorry about that. Uh, and if anybody listening today didn't hear that, capital A for abundance.pdf at bestbusinessmindset.com, drop me an email at chuckbartok. Uh, at gmail.com, and I will forward you this out. Which brings me to another thing. I see Sam Camerano joined it. Not working. Try, try the best business. Oh, best business, because I only have one S. Oh, this is why I need somebody to help me all the time. <laughs> best. That was another one that I took action immediately when you told me the title uh, and to download the PDF. I did it immediately, and I started reading it. Well, it's 20 pages. And, you know, it's something I think we should not just read once. We should kind of open it up once in a while. David, this might work because I left the S out of the last one. There we go. That should work for you, David. Bestbusinessmindset.com forward slash capital A for abundance, A, little b-u-n-d-a-n-c-e dot pdf. I also received in the mail a brand new book, which... uh, Drop me an email, please. It has to do with what we're talking about. And uh, it's a brand new book that just started to be published. It's less than $10. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm just kind of paraphrase some of this because I don't have the link set up yet. And uh, there's a gentleman that wrote a book. He's done over $500 million in business. And uh, what he learned to do was do just what we're talking about. His business is mundane. He's not a powerful, whatever you want to call them, or you know, uh, the. Um, He's not a CEO or anything. Well, yeah, no, the, the man's successful. You know, there's no question about it. But he tells you how he got there, and it it basically follows. It basically follows the. Uh, the rudiments of think and grow rich. In other words, this is one man's example of everything that Napoleon Hill says works. You know, he's a son of a farmer, born in Oklahoma, raised out on the ranches, and he sold. He, he sold. Started selling things when he was nine years old. I, th- you guys are all too young here, but we used to have an opportunity to sell grit newspaper door to door. I know what grit newspaper. Was. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, this this could be your first business venture, business venture when you were a young person. And this guy went through direct selling and service contracting, wholesale merchandising, entertainment. He was a professional trumpet player. I mean, he's done just a myriad of things. And he's written over 700 books. But one of the things that he focused on and he realized and drew up his plan of action was that people love to buy things. So he got involved in mail order marketing. And this is, this was, you know, this was his ultimate claim to fame. But, but see, well, the book is, is is not, it's not a long book. And as I said, it's less than 10 bucks. I'm going to, anybody drop me an email. I'll send you. In fact, I'm trying to, get together with the publisher and maybe have a bunch available. Uh, uh, I haven't done this yet. But anyway, get, we'll get you in touch with the book for sure. Drop me an email, chuckbartok at gmail.com. Sam Camerano's on the line with us. Good morning, Sam. Good morning, good morning. Can you hear me out there? Yes, we have some background noise. Now, that's my uh, printer running in the background. Sorry. Your what? 
My printer. I'll, oh, be, printer. I'll, mute, I'll mute my mic here. Okay. And then come back and join us quickly. Well, I'm here, so okay. I'll okay. be listening. Okay. Thank you, Sam. Willing instead of wishing the habit of compromising with poverty instead of aiming at riches. We create po- our own poverty level. You can lose your job, yes. But you see, if when you were working, you followed the basic rudiments of finance and didn't spend all you made and paid yourself first, put money away for yourself for short-term and long-term situations, and I, I'm going to tell you right now, when I didn't do that, I ended up behind the eight ball. We lost our home. You know, We lost our ranch only because my I didn't build a large enough contingency account. This was way before all this crap recently in this country. I lost a crop, and I put an awful lot. Uh, I, I put all my eggs in that one basket, and when we lost that, you know, hundreds of acres of wheat, we didn't have any money come in that year, and we had obligations, and it was a fight, and, you know, we ended up losing. But we built back. Okay? I mean, those things happen. Hey, Chuck, I just wanted to say the printer in the background is printing, and you know what it's printing. Oh, yes. It's printing our workbook, and everybody, we do have to, you know what, publicly, I'm going to make an announcement. The show is brought to you today by a product that Sam Camerano uh, did a wonderful job of putting together for us uh, several years ago. It's called Beyond Think and Grow Rich. I think, Dave, did did you get your copy? No, that's what you're printing is Dave's copy, Sam. <laughs> right, Dave's copy and some other ones because we yeah. ran out of yeah. we ran out of print. So and, and, and Sam Sam moved and, and this, I'm sorry, Dave, we didn't get back to you, but yes, we're printing your book right now <laughs> as we speak on this show, Dave. <laughs> now the CDs are available, but Sam wanted to be sure that he sent you a package. Anybody listening today, tomorrow, and in the future, all the problems are fixed. And the website is beyondthinkandgrowrich.info, I-N-F-O. Everybody can stop by and you'll be delivered a four-CD set along with a 35-page workbook revolving around Think and Grow Rich and how it can be applied to your life today based on what real people talk about. And... um, we encourage you to purchase it. It's affordable and, uh, you know, $47, four CDs delivered to your door along with the 35-page book. And Sam and I feel so strongly about it that if you listen to the CDs and if you handwrite, by the way, this book uh, is a workbook and it, it's not multiple choice. It takes a little essay, little thought. And if you fill out the workbook and you have not had increase in your life, you put the book and the CDs back in an envelope, and we'll send you back your money. Nobody's done it. Yes, yeah, so it's the whole thought of applying the action. Don't just don't just do the action of purchasing. We want right. to see success. So right. that's why we have the money back guarantee. If you do apply the action, you know you can't purchase the CD set and put it under your pillow. Yeah, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. You have to go through and fill out the workbook, and the workbook is designed. It was. It's a. Uh, it's very um, uh, methodically designed. There's. It's ease. There's a lot of ease to it, and it is mainly just applying the action. 
and there's a connection that happens with um, listening and writing that allows you to create the mind strings to pull it into your life. And that's why we give this guarantee because we know that if you do the proper steps, you can't help but go from walking to running. Right. We know it. And, and, and you know what, what, Sam, what this boils down to, again, is the writing. When we write things down on paper, it becomes more powerful. I mean, that's just the way it is. It's, you know, it's, we've proved that. The world has proved this over and over again. Thank you, Sam. I'm glad you brought this back up. And, David, thank you for your patience. What do you figure, Sam? Maybe we can get it mailed tomorrow. I don't know. No, it'll it'll go out today. Okay. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate your dedication. And I know you've had some, you know, Sam's had to move, and, and those are disruptions in life, but he's still moving forward, and that's that's what's so wonderful about people who are dedicated to do what they want to do. Nobody told Sam to do this. He wanted to do it. Searching for all the shortcuts to riches. Buy a lot of tickets. Trying to get without giving a fair equivalent. There's a great great topic going on now in a group a group in uh, uh, Facebook called Network Marketing, and uh, no links are allowed there. It's definitely a discussion group, and I made a comment about volunteering, and it was misinterpreted, and people were saying, you know, they've known too many people who have, quote, wasted their time giving and getting nothing back instead of doing it. And I think what people misunderstood was, I have always, as we said, the definite major purpose of seeking freedom and helping others. For some reason, when I was a young man, I, I realized that if I do nice things for other people with sincerity, and not expect anything in return, I will get things in return. And it sounds very Pollyannish, but it does work, but it also has to be put into focus with a definite plan. Now, as I mentioned in this group discussion, that was a, it's a huge thread. And Kim Claver, who is a big guru in the uh, marketing world, uh, 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 she kind of took umbrage with my direction, and she and I had a little tit-for-tat there for a while. And what I said, I said, wait a minute, because what, where I was getting is these people that are involved in MLM network marketing, how long do you hold somebody's hand? How much time do you give somebody to help them develop their business and so on? And I drew a line in the sand real quickly and said, look, business is business, and I'm in business to make a profit. When I speak of volunteering my time, I'm talking about the fact that I'm successful in business allows me more time to volunteer, and the fact that I'm volunteering my time in the areas of my passion, which is also the areas of my business, my business automatically grows because of my giving. I'm not giving because I want to grow my business. I'm giving because that's what I want to do, but the ancillary effect is the business grows. Because people look at you, realize who you are, and when it comes to the things that you do, they're going to consider you first. That doesn't mean everybody's going to do business with you. I said they're going to consider you first. And if you're any good at what you're doing, their consideration is going to lead to a, uh, what's the word, a, a conclusion. Did I make sense or did I wander all over the world on that? 
giving, and as Napoleon Hill says, get, if you try to get without giving, you're going to fail. And we're talking about fair equivalents. Searching for all the shortcuts to riches, there aren't any. Yes, three people won the Mega Millions Lotto. There's a good chance, a very good chance, that those three people will end up being extremely unhappy, and several years down the road, there's a very good chance that those people will be back in the same uh, level that they were before. Because here's what we forget about. Uh, accumulating or having an awful lot of money demands more responsibility than most people have ever trained themselves to accept. Huge responsibility. Fear of criticism. Number 16, failure to create plans. God, he's so repetitious. Failure to create plans and put them into action because of what other people will think, do, or say. Laurie, don't play the piano. This enemy belongs at the head of the list because it generally exists in one's subconscious mind, which we know we can retrain, recontrol, develop new habits. This enemy belongs to the head of the list because it generally exists in one's subconscious mind where its presence is not recognized. And again, he says, uh, see the six basic fears in a later chapter. And let us examine some of the symptoms of the fear of criticism next week. <laughs> uh, it's 9.26 my time. Uh, we sure appreciate Sam and David Christensen, Laurie Polina, Gerard King being with us. Anybody have any comments before we leave the air today on persistence? I know I learned a big lesson about that, in, um, and this I'll be writing about in my next post on my blog. Um, I was thinking back, my experiences in junior high, I had a substitute music teacher who ended up being my high school music teacher and choir director. And I was studying guitar, and I accompanied, or attempted anyway, to accompany my choir in junior high uh, with one particular piece that we were performing on guitar. And my substitute teacher, who um, I had that day, was there, and she, I mean, the result of my attempt did not work out well. And I thought, oh, I was so embarrassed and, and ashamed. But years later, I would, as she and I struck up a friendship, um, I would finally come out with it. I would finally comment <laughs> you, uh, that about my shame and, and how embarrassed I was. And she looked at me and she said, what do you mean you thought I was ashamed or embarrassed mm -hmm. by you on the attempt you made? The attempt didn't work out so well. That was all. Mm -hmm. She accepted me for what I, for myself, no matter what happened with that attempt, and it just blew me away. And I think that was one of the things that kept me for for years after that working toward my my degree in music in school as I started college. But you got the jobs, the job, the problem solved. I you I found out that that once I spoke that out and found out that that was 
that the fear in that was once again false evidence appearing real. <laughs> um, it, it blew me away. It was right. like, wow. <laughs> All right. Very good. Well, Laurie, I'm again your blog address. <clears throat> Do you have that set up yet? It's um, <clears throat> it's unleash. The title of the blog is Unleashing the Warrior Goddess. But what's the URL? I believe it's unleashingofthewarriorgoddess.com was what it set it up as. Okay. Well, I'll take a look, and if not, I'll get back to you, and we'll talk about it next week. You, you know, I would appreciate if you would, Chuck. Okay. I would, right. I would really value your input. Okay. And uh, so, Dave, she will post her blog link when she knows for sure what it is. <laughs> and don't laugh, because a lot of these new links that we get into, you know, you, you ask somebody point blank, and uh, but we're going to get that out for sure by next week. And... Uh, uh, or, or Lori, why don't you post it on your Facebook fan page, and then we can all visit there. Um, because I don't, um, I don't think I have a Facebook fan page set up. We'll put it on brackets. <laughs> <laughs> or I'll tell you what, go to my page, Chuck Bartok, and post it there. Okay. 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 All right, we'll do that. Okay. Hey, want to thank everybody again for joining. Um, Sam, thank you for printing. David, thank you for being interested. And uh, we'll get together next week, guys. This, we ran a little long today, and uh, I'm going to have to leave. Got some things to take care of. And uh, I appreciate everybody being with us for the 349th episode. And it's brought to you today by BeyondThinkAndGrowRich.info. Thank you all very much. Bye-bye.